Good morning, LBCF. So glad you're able to make it this morning. I know a lot of people are on spring break. But for those of us who are here, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Uh, as you know, we just um, you know, um, went through our Lent season, and Easter was just a phenomenal time you know, for our church. And as we uh, enter into this time, I think the Christian calendar says, calls this ordinary times. And I don't know why it's called ordinary. It seems a little stale. <laughs> but, but I love ordinary times. Um, I love days where there's not a lot of complications. I love just ordinary things. Uh, wherever you're coming from, we invite you just to, um, especially as we move into this time of song, to allow yourself to transition from whatever you've been doing this week. All the things that have like been calling for your attention that you would use this time uh, to pause, to be still, to be present, and to know that God is here. And as words are being sung, as, as uh, words are being said up front, that we would all pay attention to what God might be saying because God is present among us. And as we are like paying attention, that we would also pay attention to one another. That we are a community, that we're all coming into the space together, and that God is somehow calling us to be intertwined interconnected as a community. And so let's um, just uh, prepare our hearts as Vanessa and Danielle lead us in worship. Amen. Good morning. If you guys are willing and able, please stand. Um, I was thinking about like, oh yeah, there's probably going to be some people still out, right? Because of spring break. So if you are tuning in online, welcome. Um, that, that had me thinking, right, like how great it is that we can physically be here, right, or tune in from somewhere else to still be present with what's happening here at LBCF. Um, and then that got me thinking, right, it's, it's not just about what's happening here at LBCF, right, but we all get to tune into the reality and goodness of God. Like, we get to tune our hearts to the songs that have been sung on earth and in heaven from the beginning of time and that will continue long after us. Um, and so with that in mind, God, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see you today?
everyone could continue to stand. We're going to read our scripture reading together, and it comes from Isaiah 30, 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Be seated. And now it is that miraculous time for a children's story with Miss Mary. Hey, everybody. All right, we got one friend. We got two friends. We got three friends. All right, we're going to sit crisscross applesauce. We're going to do the thing that we do. We are going to blow bubbles. So one great big bubble. Are you ready? Blow big. <gasps> Can we make it bigger? Yes. Here we go. <gasps> Any bigger? Or is it going to pop? Okay. Should we just do a little bit more? Tiny, tiny. So gentle. <gasps> okay. Now let your bubbles go. <gasps> now find the one that you like best and catch it. Go get this one. It's huge. Looks like a strawberry. <gasps> okay, keep the bubbles in your mouth while I tell the story. All right, my friends, today I'm going to tell a make-believe story. This is a made-up story. Once upon a time, in a village called Parable, there was this little boy named Timothy. And Timothy was small, and he was quiet, and he was timid. And all the people in Parable, they would go to this village square if they needed work. And the people who needed workers, they would go to the square and they would pick the people they need. And every single day, Timothy would go to the village square and he would sit there and he would wait and he would hope and he would long that he would be chosen, that he would be given a special job meant just for him. And one day, but because he was so small and so timid and so quiet, a lot of times he was not chosen. And so he just sat there very quietly. And one day there was this woman who came to Parable Square and she was the most beautiful thing that Timothy had ever seen. It was like her dress was made out of rainbows. And her smile was so beautiful and so bright that when she smiled at you, it was like the sun was shining right on your face. And the way she spoke was so beautiful that it felt like this melody that you just wanted to get stuck in your head for the rest of your life. And she went up to everybody and she said, I am looking for people to work in my field. I need people to plow my field. And Timothy sat there quiet and shy and timid. But all the big and the strong and the fast people, they went up to her and they said, we will work in your field. We will plow it. And she said, that is amazing. I will pay you three silver coins. And so they skipped off thinking of all the things that their three silver coins would buy them. And Timothy sat there waiting and hoping and longing that he would be given a special job. And a little later, when the sun was like right straight up in the middle of the sky, that beautiful woman, she came back to Parable Square. And she said, I am looking for people 
to weed my field. And all the people who were big, but not quite as big as the first time, and fast, but not quite as fast as the first time, and strong, but not quite as strong as the first time, they got up and they said, we will weed your field. And she said, great, I will pay you what is fair. And they skipped off thinking of all the things that they will be able to get with like their half-day pay. And then the sun started to go down in the middle, and it was that hot afternoon sun that was like beating on everybody. And that woman, that beautiful woman, she came back to Parable Square. And she said, well, now I'm looking for somebody who could install my sprinkler system. And so the people who were big-ish and strong-ish and fast-ish, they got up and they said, we can install your sprinkler. And she said, great, I will pay you what is right. And they went off, so grateful they were going to have some money to show for their day. I'm getting thirsty. Hold on. Okay. And so the sun started going down. And Timothy was not given a job. And he was feeling so sad and dejected. He wanted that special job. And then that woman, she came back and she looked at Timothy and she said, have you not been given a job yet? And he said, no, I'm never big enough or fast enough or strong enough to get any of these jobs. And these great big tears started rolling down his cheeks. And the woman said, Timothy, I have a job for you, a special job. Will you plant the flowers in my garden? And Timothy got up. He was so excited. And he went and he planted the seeds in her garden that would become flowers. It was a quick job. Super easy peasy. But he was so grateful. He was given such a special task. And at the end of it, the woman went to pay all the workers. And she paid Timothy first. Guess how much she gave him? Three silver coins. The same as the people who were been working all day long. Timothy felt so special. And then she went and she paid the other people, the people who put in the sprinkler system. She gave them all three silver coins too. Everybody was getting three silver coins. And the people who had been working all day long, they were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We are going to get so much money. We work so much longer and harder than everybody else. We're going to get like 10 silver coins. And when she got to them, she gave them three silver coins. And they were like, hey, not fair. We worked longer and harder. We should get more. And she said, I promised you three silver coins. And I gave you three silver coins. What I do with my money, I get to decide to do. And I decided to give them all three silver coins too. So Jesus told a story very much like this one one time. And he was trying to let the people know what God's kingdom is like. When I was a little girl, somebody gave me this hat that said, God is not fair, but he is good. And I did not like that hat. I never wore it once in my life because I wanted a hat that said, God is fair and he is good. That's the hat I wanted. But as I've gotten older, I've learned God's love is so good and so big that it's so much better than fair because he gives each of us exactly what we need, not what we deserve. He looks at each of us as an individual, and he makes sure 
all of our needs are met in his goodness and in his generosity. Okay, my friends, we are going to go back and we are going to play games and do crafts. And are people being kids being dismissed? Youth group? Youth group. And youth group kids, if you're here, you get to go back as well. And, and announcements with Barb. Because I have been given a job, and I'm so honored. I'm going to look, Mary, for my three silver coins, okay, right after church. So good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, this is the family business time. This is where I'm going to read these announcements after I put my glasses on. All right, so this week our Bible study is not going to happen, so if you were planning on being there on, here on Thursday night, don't come, but... It will start again. Remember, we do that Bible study the first three Thursdays of every month. So come on back and check us out in May. Yes. And uh, then we have just a couple of uh, wonderful events that are coming up. One of them is our Women's Frenzy. That's happening April the 30th at Mary Trine's home. Mary, I know you're here. Raise your hand. So everybody, if you want to connect with Mary, if you haven't, there's Mary. Um, Yes, she has info, more info than I'm going to give you right now, yes. Um, then there's going to be a men's breakfast again, because evidently the men like each other. They actually like chat for hours, which is something I can't always get my husband to do with me, so there's an issue there, uh, but I guess I don't feed him breakfast. Maybe that's the difference, I don't know, but anyway, May the 7th. At Lakewood Country Club, the men are going to get together for breakfast and conversation. Uh, today, right after the gathering, our LGBTQ ministry is hosting a picnic that you need to bring your own uh, food to at Rec Park again, right? Yeah, same place, Rec Park, 7th Street, 7th and Park uh, in Long Beach. So that is happening today, right after the gathering. And then... In the future, starting June, we are going to be back to Taco Tuesday. Do we have a do we do we have a Taco Tuesday slide? Okay, here's the beauty of Taco Tuesday. Tacos. Community. We get to hang out with each other and we're doing it at our home, which means that your children are contained inside a fence, so you don't need to worry about them as much. Um, so that is something that's coming up as well. And right now, we have a few small groups that have started to meet. Uh, Sarah is doing Laundry Love. And so, Sarah, raise your hand. If that's something you're interested in, it's happening every other Friday. You can see Sarah about meeting her at the laundromat to not only clean your own clothes, but also to, you know, offer other people that get their clothes clean because you love them for no other reason, just to show love and to hang out together. And there's also a couples group that is meeting. Lisa and Brett Lawrenson, raise your hands. If you want to connect with them, you guys are doing it two Tuesdays a month, one Tuesday a month. See, this is why we need to ask these questions. The second Tuesday of every month, connect with Lisa, connect with Brent, or... If you miss all of that, you can always email us at lbcf 
at lbcf.org. It's that simple. It's redundant, which is perfect. And then we will send you the information that you're looking for. I've got to put the glasses back on again. Actually, I know what's coming next. Um, we are a community that prays. And we pray for churches in Long Beach and sometimes outside of Long Beach. We pray for ministries that we love and um, just nonprofits that are around that we know are working for the kingdom of God to bring that kingdom to earth. And um, there's, a, there's a church that we love called City Church, and they've just opened a coffee shop. It is called, uh, I know, Wrigley Coffee. I was going to call it Wilmore Coffee, but that's a whole other neighborhood. It's called Wrigley Coffee. It's on Willow. Um, it's where, if you are familiar at all with the Wrigley District, it's where the old Fox Coffee used to be. And you guys, let's go have coffee there. We're going to be praying for them in a minute. But it is an outreach, that, and they are partnering with a nonprofit as well. It's an outreach not only to the community, to uh, love people through caffeine, which is a way that I like to be loved. Actually, it might be better than three silver coins. Um, but it's also a way to employ people who might not find work in other ways. So it's an amazing endeavor that City Church is up to, and we want to pray for them. Uh, their pastors, Bill and Brianna, are amazing people who have given themselves to this community in amazing ways. And um, they are our friends. So join me as we pray for them. So, Father God, um, as people walk into that coffee shop and sip that cup, may they feel your love. May they feel your acceptance. May they know that they are welcome, Lord, in your kingdom and that you see them and that you choose them in the same way that uh, Mary's story chose that little boy, Timothy. And we ask, Jesus, that um, this endeavor would prosper for the sake of your name, Lord. And we pray for Brianna and for Bill and all the workers in that coffee house that they would not grow weary in doing well, Father God. And I pray that over this community, in all the places that we find ourselves, here on a Sunday morning, in our homes, watching this on live stream, yeah, um, all the places that we give ourselves, Lord, may we know your pleasure, and may we not grow weary. Amen and amen. And lastly, you guys, we are a very generous community, and we can't do anything generous, in, including pay for the electricity without your tithes and offerings. So we always like to remind you to, if you can, if you're able, if you see yourself as a part of this community, yeah, to give. And there's boxes by the exit doors. You can give online um, on our um, Planning Center Church app and also at lbcf.org, our webpage. And having said all of that, you guys get to stand up and greet one another, and you get to ask each other the question, what part of that story spoke to you the most this morning?
right. Good morning. Everyone is here. People are filing in. This is good. Good morning. Uh, can we pull up the slide? We are going to start a new series today. I am really excited about this. My name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here. I just sort of do a walk and I realize like I'm seeing new people every week. And so if I haven't met you yet, make sure to stop me after and give me um, the compliments in alphabetical order is how I prefer them. Um, but thank you guys for being here. I'm a little bit like after Easter's over, I'm sort of recovering for about a week. Like there's there's a lot of lead up and a lot of things happening, but I am I'm really excited um, <clears throat> to be introducing our new series. But first, I wanted to thank all of the therapists in our community that walked us through the stages of grief throughout the Lent series. Like how amazing Catherine. My wife, Vanessa, Megan, Madison, Sarah, Michelle, Julie, Kimberly, and Chelsea. We are a community that is so grateful and so blessed to have people who are looking at life to, to be emotionally healthy. Um, what, a, what a blessing it is for our community. Um, I am excited that they are here and to be married to somebody who is looking at life from that angle is a blessing to me personally, and I know that it's huge for all of us. So our new series is called Par The Parables of Jesus, A New Creation Imagination. And, and that should raise the question, what do I mean by that? What do we mean by that? And I really think that when Jesus is unpacking some of the most mysterious things about what it means to follow him and pursue a life formed by him, um, rather than just answering questions directly, he invited people into stories. He invited people in that way because as we reform our imagination to believe that the new creation that we're called into, the new life, the kingdom that's available here and now, that when we reform our imagination to actually believe that, to actually walk in that, we are, that, that is one of the ways we actually participate with new creation life, something that, that actually participates with forgiveness, generosity, love, patience, peace, all of these things that we hear are a part of a good, formed Christian life. We are invited into it through story. And um, I'm a big fan of story. Um, if you've spent more than five minutes with me, you know that I'll bring up um, some sort of story. Um, and to introduce the parables as a whole, I wanted to show you guys this video, and then I'll come back up and we'll go through today's first parable. Jesus of Nazareth was a master teacher, and some of his most well-known teachings are told in short stories called parables. Yeah, like the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who was looking for pearls, and when he found the ultimate pearl, he sold everything so that he could buy it. Must have been some pretty amazing pearl. Or the kingdom of God is like a tiny mustard seed that a farmer planted in his garden. It grew and became a huge tree, and birds came to perch in its branches. And that's a beautiful image, but... What does it mean? Exactly. Jesus didn't tell parables to make everything clear. Rather, he wanted to provoke the imagination and invite people to see what God is doing in the world from a new perspective. So let's talk about how to read the parables of Jesus. 
Now, there's many great teachers that throughout history have used stories to teach students about morality, religion, philosophy. But Jesus didn't use his parables to teach abstract religious or moral ideals. He said that his parables were about himself and his mission. His mission, which was to announce that the kingdom of God was arriving on earth as it is in heaven. Right. So in Jesus' day, the Israelites were ruled by the Roman Empire. But their scriptures promised that one day their God would come to rule his people as king. And so many Israelites wanted to revolt against Rome and fight for their freedom. And this is what some people thought of as the kingdom of God. Exactly. But Jesus was a poor traveling prophet, healing the sick, inviting people to follow him. And he said that this was the arrival of God's kingdom. And that didn't fit people's expectations. Right. And so Jesus used some parables to help people imagine that his small movement was the arrival of God's kingdom. Oh, yeah, like the parable that the kingdom of God is yeast hidden in a lump of dough. And you might not see its influence, but it's going to change everything. Jesus also told parables about the upside-down values of God's kingdom, about how the least important people in the world are actually the most important people to God, especially those who are poor and of low status. Yeah, like the parable about the business owner who hired workers throughout the day, in the morning, later in the day, and even towards the end of the day. And when it was time to pay everyone, he paid them all the same wage. Right. Jesus is showing how money and status are irrelevant to God, who offers his generous mercy to everybody. Now, not all of the parables have happy endings. Some are really intense. Yes, Jesus stood in the tradition of Israel's prophets, who also told parables to criticize Israel's leaders because they mistook their kingdom for God's. So Jesus warned the leaders of his day, if they don't accept his offer of God's kingdom, they're headed for destruction. Yeah, like the parable of the landowner who built a wonderful vineyard and he expects it to produce fruit. Yes, Jesus gets this parable from the prophet Isaiah, but then he adapts it. Right, and so the landowner appoints managers to take care of this vineyard. And at harvest, he sends servants to collect the fruit but those managers kill the servants. And so the landowner sends his own son to confront the managers, and they kill him too. And so Jesus asked the people around him, what do you all think this landowner should do? Oh, he's going to punish those managers and hire new ones. Jesus knew that if Israel kept on their current path, they would be destroyed by Rome. And so in parables like this, he's forcing people to make a decision about his offer of God's kingdom. Are people going to reject him, ignore him, or trust and follow him? Now, if this message of God's kingdom is so important, why cloak it in parables? Why not be more clear? Well, through riddles and parables, Jesus could make really bold claims that revealed truth to people who were open-minded. For those who have ears to hear, they could ponder it and go deeper. But the parables would also conceal his message from those who were against him so that he could buy more time. Buy time? For what? Well, Jesus was preparing his closest followers for the greatest surprise yet. Jesus claimed that Israel's God was coming to rule over his people not through coercion or violent force, but through self-giving love as he was going to die for their sins. But his death wasn't the end. Right. He said that his death would be like a tiny seed buried in the ground. But then it would grow and produce a crop with many seeds. So these parables, they explain who Jesus was and what he was up to. 
And the gospel authors have preserved these parables so that now every generation of Jesus' followers can read and ponder them. And imagine how God's kingdom is still at work even today. Right. These ancient parables are still full of new surprises and challenges. They're like a storehouse packed with treasures, some that are new, some that are old, and it's all just waiting to be discovered. So if you have not ever explored the Bible Project, what they have to offer, um, I really encourage you, like the, the quality of the theological depth and the quality of the media is fantastic. So that is their video on the parables. And today we are going to start with a parable that you heard Mary talk about, you heard talked about up there. Let's go to Matthew 20. So if you have your Bibles, would you open them up to Matthew 20? And I'm going to read this and then we're just going to go back through it because there's a few pieces in here um, that I think if we read past it too quickly, if we don't take it seriously and actually um, imagine some new things, um, we could miss a lot. And it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. A- after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard and going out about the third hour he saw others standing idle in the marketplace he said to them you go into the vineyard too and whatever is right i will give you and so they went going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour he did the same and about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing and he said to them why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and of the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And then I love the NIV's translation on this next. It says, or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. And as a kid growing up, this parable was was completely lost and all that was held on to was that last line and it was thrown at me when I was being impatient and that was what the whole parable was about was just you be patient and stop complaining while we're waiting in line at the grocery store even though we're last here we'll be first in heaven so would you just be quiet and the whole parable of what we're talking about got lost but I want to make sure What we see here is that God wants to showcase his scandalous grace. 
in full view of everybody. That God, in his creativity, the vineyard owner, in his creativity, could have found a way out of this moment where rather than creating contention, rather than creating comparison, there would have been a smarter way, if it was up to me, to avoid one more argument in my life, I would have paid the people in the order they came so that the ones who came first would have gotten what they were, were told, and then I would have paid the next person so that everybody could have been paid and left and nobody would even have to see that I was generous with the last people. A smarter vineyard owner would have paid them that way. But the vineyard owner wanted to prove a point about himself. He's telling a story. He's, he's inviting people into his character by the way that he pays them. But let's go back through this. Let's go back to the first slide. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. One of the first things that we need to understand is that a vineyard owner understands how much work needs to be done before he goes out to get people. The vineyard owner knows right away that he would have needed 20 people. So why would he go out multiple times? Why not just grab them all at the start? Surely he knew the amount of work that had to happen. Um, what was typically happening is that as the harvest came in, they had a rush to actually gather up the harvest before the September rains came. And so they would go out in the same way. Um, I used to work at Home Depot, which is actually where I um, first tried coffee because I was working at like 5 a.m. And everyone would just hang around this like really terrible dispenser of coffee. But it was me and like three other people. But then there were all of these independent workers who would just wait there. They would wait because they were wanting to be hired for a day for a person that just needed somebody to come do labor. So we have a modern example of what was happening here. And this still happens all over. People will just go, they'll bring their tools, and they will wait. Now, this would have started raising alarms for people at that time because they knew, they knew that the people waiting there at the end were the people who were weak were the people who were undesirable. And so as they're hearing this parable, we have to understand that it, it, should, it should clue us into the fact that the vineyard owner is only going back to the marketplace to get these workers because of his love for workers. It's because he loves them. Now, how can I deduce that from here? And it's because, let's go um, to the very last part of that. It says, he says, you up, uh, let's see. And it says, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman. This is a new person on the scene in this story. There's a foreman? The foreman should have been the one that goes to get workers. So what we see here is the vineyard owner wants to show workers 
who are being left behind, who are being ignored, who are being overlooked, how much he loves them and how willing he is to gather them into. And it's interesting because as it starts, the first group is told, I will pay you what you work for. You will get a day's wage. The second group is getting paid based on the character of the vineyard owner. Because the vineyard owner says, I'll pay you what is right. So he has a reputation of doing what is right and paying them what, out of his character, they had to trust. And as the parable goes on, we see that at the very end, the people who are brought in at a quarter to five aren't even told they would get paid anything. It's because the vineyard owner also knows that there's dignity at stake here. These people, if they did not get a day's wage, would have to go back home empty-handed. And that much pay was just enough to feed your family for that night. So they knew that if they came home empty-handed, they were spending the whole day watching people get picked over them to go work. And the whole time, they're just trying to play out in their head, how am I going to have the conversation with my kids to tell them that they can't eat? There's shame. There's guilt that the vineyard owner says, I want you to come because I care for you, but I also know that there is dignity at stake for you to be hired to come work. The vineyard owner cares about them that much. And obviously at the end, he purposefully calls them all in and says, I want everybody to see that as I pay you in reverse order, that I will, all, I will pay you what I have promised you, but also it is up to me to be as gracious with the people as I want to be. That that is the God that we serve. And I want to pull up a quote here from Dallas Willard. Actually, uh, the next quote says, grace is not opposed to effort because what often happens in this story is we hear this and our temptation is to just think, okay, how can I do the bare minimum? And that is a very human temptation when we understand that God is generous with the thief on the cross. That he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That when we understand that we serve a God that will be gracious to people that we can't even be gracious to in ourselves, to people that we can't stand, will be sitting across the table from us at the final meal, that we will be sharing space, that the body of Christ includes people that we can't stand, that when we understand that, that, that when we know that God will be that gracious, it's really tempting for all of us who work really hard and try our hardest to do maybe a little bit less. Maybe, maybe I could be the one to where maybe I'll sleep in and I'll show up at the corner at a quarter to five two. Because he'll call me in also. And so we start to make excuses and we start to think that, that effort is, an, is not an important thing. But I love this quote. It says, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. 
let's go to the next quote because I love this. This is a big one. Brennan Manning says, my message unchanged for more than 50 years is this. God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be because nobody is as they should be. It's the message of grace, a grace that pays the eager beaver who's Work, who works all day long the same wage as the grinning drunk who shows up at 10 till 5. A grace that hikes up the robe and runs breakneck toward the prodigal reeking of sin and wraps him up and decides to throw a party, no ifs, ands, or buts. This grace is indiscriminate compassion. It works without asking anything of us. Grace is sufficient even though we huff and puff with all our might to try to find something or someone it cannot cover, grace is enough. Jesus is enough. The quote, uh, and there should be one more in there as well. No one is underpaid in this parable. The complaint is from the justly paid that cannot tolerate grace. The reality is when we get so upset and we throw our hands in the air and we demand fair, that is, a, that is one of the easiest signs that we have forgotten the grace that we've been shown. That is that one of the easiest ways to know whether or not you think you are earning something or whether or not the free gift of God's grace shows up in your life every day. How can we stop ourselves from from constantly desiring that we would get paid more, that we would get more, that we would earn it. One of the best realities is that God's, God's grace is enough for all of us. And when we pause and we actually reflect on the ways that we've been shown that same grace, it's powerful. I want to take us through a practice um, so you could pull up the prayer. Um, this is called the prayer of salmon, and it will be something where we will have an opportunity to just read through some prayer prompts. And I'm asking that all of us would try, that all of us would offer up our our imaginations for God to show us the ways that he's been gracious to us because I'm telling you that one of the most interesting parts of that parable is it doesn't tell us how it ends. He says the first will be last, the last will be first, and the story moves on. Maybe ask us how would we respond because I really think those open-ended stories are an invitation for us to sit with how would we respond because the ones that know that they've been shown grace are amazed at the compassion and love and generosity of the vineyard owner. The ones that think that they've earned it leave upset. The ones that think that they have been underpaid and can't tolerate grace leave grumbling. Let's refocus our hearts to remember how much grace we've been shown in our lives in this very moment, day to day, with every breath, how God invites you in, how he overlooks your stuff 
to invite you in. I think that's beautiful. So whether or not you are doing great or just showing up, this is a God who will always be just and overflowing with compassion. So I'm going to invite Richard Farr up to read us through these slides of the prayer of examine, and there's going to be a moment of silence between each one, but he's a good friend and a good man. Good morning, church. Read with me. Pray with me. In gratitude, return to God, asking for the grace to recognize Christ present in all things. God, where did I see you in my home, in my daily chores, in my morning routines? Where did I miss your presence? God, where did I see you on my commute, in the day's comings and goings? Where did I pass by too quickly? God, where did I encounter you in my meals, shared or alone, quick or leisurely? Where was I ungrateful?
God? Where did I hear you in the media? Where did I see you on my many devices? How did I distinguish your voice from that of the enemy? God, how did I encounter you in my neighbors, my family, friends, and co-workers? When did I fail to love others as you love me? God, please guide me in the day ahead. Amen. Thank you so much. So now, I mean, what a great practice to draw us back into the presence of a God who is full of love and compassion for the workers. Maybe we could see ourselves as having received that grace and that our posture would be thankfulness, gratitude, that we could in turn show other people that same kind of grace and love. So as a part of what we do each week, we are going to now take communion. And so you can come up at your own pace as we close. I'm going to invite worship to come back up. And we've got... We've got the grape juice in the cracker cup, and then we also have bread and wine. And so this is a part of the way that we 
that we reform, that we actually participate with a new creation imagination is that when we take these in, they become symbols of Christ's life in us so deeply that it's something that, uh, that we eat and it actually becomes a part of us, that this life, one that could be uh, transformed by a gracious, loving God. And so let's close in prayer, and then it'll be time for communion. I'm also going to invite the prayer team up. And so I would, in, I would encourage you that if you need prayer or if you just need, if you need some, some, some encouragement, you can just come up and be prayed for. Um, it, it is a blessing to have a prayer team also. So, Lord, would you help us to, to form our imaginations around a belief that you will show us grace, that you will show grace beyond where we could even extend our hands. Lord, we thank you for this parable. We thank you that you taught us about your amazing character, your, your ability to, to be just and compassionate at the exact same time when we struggle to do that so often. Lord, when we struggle to see others, and to understand that, that your love stretches out far beyond where we can imagine, Lord, would you reshape us? Would you help us to be transformed by renewing our minds by this parable? Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
us new. Church, if you're able, would you please stand for this last song? Tasted and seen the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence flow.
trying to become more aware of his presence, more aware of the places that we've been shown grace, not so that we would just be focused on ourselves even more, but because then in turn we can go and show others grace. That when we realize that God has called us to work the vineyard whenever he called you, that we can just be grateful, that we can be appreciative, that we could that we could bask in the fact that that is the Lord that we serve and we can in turn try and embody that for each other. And so as we go out, would we embody that with each other, showing each other love and grace that we understand that we serve a Lord who is willing to, to be scandalous in his grace, to show off how absurd in his grace he can be and how beautiful that is that it reaches that far and so um i will be posting the prayer of examine on our social media so that if that's a practice that has been helpful for you um to just pause and remember his presence in all things um i really think that that would be a helpful thing and so as we leave here make sure to see mary if you're interested in the frenzy if you don't have lunch plans yet we have the picnic um, there are small group leaders who have been announced make sure to touch base with them but before we leave if you are able to stand would you stand with me and sing the doxology praise God from the blessings flow